0: I'd like to welcome everybody to the Small But Massive podcast. We have a very, 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 very special guest today. Mr. Andy Irvine, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, folk legend, and a complete and utter gentleman. Thank you, Andy, for appearing with us today. It's my pleasure. Could I just say that, that last night you had a wee gig just behind them screens there. How was the gig for you last night? Oh, in the it was lovely. Store? It was
1: lovely. The audience... Uh the audience in this area is always a pleasure to play for, and uh, yeah, I really I had a lovely time last night, and uh, and I I think they enjoyed it too. I got. The standing ovation is not what it was some years ago. It, it's uh, more likely to happen than not. But uh, <laughs> well, it was a good moment, wasn't yeah, it's it? it's g- always a great moment. If yeah. they don't, if they don't
0: stand up and clap at the end, then you, you think, oh, Lord, i have <laughs> blown this one. <laughs> and I suppose for someone like yourself that has played so many different venues over the years and so many different places, I'm sure the crowds that you'd be playing in front of every night to be different. They'd be different audiences. How does that feel for you being a, like you're a true troubadour, you know, and, and sense all the different people you'd have played to over the years? Well, sometimes you
1: see people in the audience that you know, and you try and convey to them uh, that you've recognised them. <laughs> uh, but I don't think they get it. They don't usually get it. Uh, is you're... it a wee
0: nod or a winker. Can we tell the people uh, yeah, out we're... there listening, what do we do? What does Andy do to let you know you're in the audience? <laughs> is it a wee flick of the finger? <laughs> well,
1: I think that that reminds me of a game that Johnny Moynihan and myself uh, constructed once. It was a it was a three dimensional uh, Monopoly game, and one of them one of them was was uh, Gigopoly, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you you got you didn't get money. You got kind of. Uh, I can't remember what, what they were termed, but they were kind of pluses and minuses. <laughs> yes. And one of the things you landed on, you, one of the cards you picked up was uh, Liam Clancy winks at you in the front row. Like, <laughs> uh, lose
0: 30 pluses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, here, Andy, for people out there listening to May not know you, and there's plenty do know you. Uh, you were born in St John's uh, in West St John's London. Wood, yeah, St John's Wood, London. Yeah. In your young days, do you want to talk a wee bit about that when you were growing up and and at that time?
1: Yeah, I, I I wasn't there. I I was sent to boarding school at the age of three, three and a half, I think. Which uh, to this day nobody understands why that was, but because yeah. it was at the end of the war. Yeah. Um and I, I think uh, I've tried, you know, both my parents are dead. So I, I've, and my sister died recently. So I've, no, I've nobody to, to, uh, to ask. And my sister didn't know either. Yeah. But, um, I think my father might've been jealous of me. You know, I think that, that happens. Yeah. Uh, an extra meal coming onto the family. Yeah, unit? yeah. Yeah. Even though it was a little more than a baby. Yeah. And my mother was a very social person. She'd been an actress, and I think uh, the war put an end to her stage career,
0: but uh, she never stopped acting like yeah. so and I uh, think uh, at war after it sort of come to you then that we better, you know, your mother was originally from. Northern Ireland, uh, right, Lisburn, yeah. County yeah. Antrim. Yeah. Your father was a Scotchman from Glasgow. Yeah. After my own second name. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we're cousins, Andy, but i hey, will <laughs> send you love over from here, as we are cousins. We're—we're we're, we're internet cousins. Well, we'd most
1: pleasant if we were. Uh, thank you yeah.
0: very much. So, at that time, your mother, you were saying, was a was an actress, and you yourself, a lot of people might know this, were was a child. You were a child actor. I was. I was. A, I was. Uh, my sister. Sent photographs of me
1: to a, a, an agent who specialised in child actors, and they they took me on, and and uh, and I was in a a, a film when I was uh, nearly nine. I was just before I was nine years old. it was in a film called A Tale of Five Cities. Look it up, people. Well, you you won't find it. You won't find it. <laughs> uh, and, the, and the only copy you will find, uh, they've cut my scene, no my way. speaking scenes. No.
0: Yeah. yeah. oh No. Why do you think they done that, or just to cut it well, out? Well, because
1: it, it wasn't a very good film, I don't think, yeah. and, and they needed to shorten it. and yeah. <laughs> uh, and they took me out, which oh. is a
0: a tragedy for me. <laughs> like, you know. yeah. But at that time, um, when you were doing the child acting, is that something you thought I'm going to do this, or is it something that just you know for a while you were in a few bits and pieces of films and shorts and different things, weren't you?
1: Yes, I was. I was. Uh, I was in a. I was. Uh, I was in a, a television play uh, when I was about fourteen, uh, which got which I, I got fantastic reviews for, uh, and I, I loved it at that at that point. But but what happened then, and I wasn't the first person it happened to, was that uh, puberty kicked in <laughs> and I became a different person, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I lost all my confidence at that point, and I became uh, I. I I didn't like it anymore when I was when I was. by the time I was sixteen, uh, I was I was not happy at all. But I'd been taken out of school uh, to become a professional actor. So while my while my uh, mother and father were still alive, I I felt that I had to repay them for that by continuing. Yeah. But I mean, I I remember, for instance, uh, getting I, I I got a a letter from. Um, the Royal Shakespearean Company. Lord Esher. Sounds very grand. Lord Esher sent me a letter. How did he sound? Lord Esher. It was, <laughs> was it I don't, no just Esher, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. But um, but he uh, it was for an audition. Um, and it had come it had come through by somebody that that I knew who knew him. Uh, and uh, I was expecting this letter, and I got up every... It was in, in, in those days, in the morning, the, the post would come uh, in the morning, about nine o'clock in the morning. And I got up for about three weeks, at t- just before my parents, to try and intercept this letter. And I did eventually intercept it and threw it in the bin. You know, I mean, that, that's a, a shameful thing to and admit, did, man. Did you open it? No. Did you open it up? Oh, I did open it, yes. And it said, uh, we'd like you to come and uh, audition for us at
0: three o'clock on the 23rd of whatever, you know. Well, (laughs) go on. Yeah. But then your mother, I was reading... that your mother had an old gramophone, the old wind up ones. For people out there that don't know what I'm doing there, Andy, I'm yeah, winding yeah, it up. You know <laughs> exactly. Yes, and yeah. and, uh, and uh, so at that stage, there were old um um what you said shows uh, old show music, wasn't yeah, that and yeah. would that have been your first sort of introduction into music then? It was, of, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. And and uh the, the records were all kind of cracked
1: and, and scratched. Yeah. But I, I loved them, you know, yeah. and they were behind the, uh, the sofa in the sitting room. And I'd be, I'd spend hours there kind of winding yeah. up the gramophone, <laughs> changing the needle, <laughs> and putting on these... Would these, it be odd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, you remember the way it would
0: run down,
1: you know? Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Who stole my heart away? Who, who stole my heart?
0: <laughs> it's like someone full of wine just singing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. But, an injection, yeah. yeah. So... But, and then uh, you went on, first of all, to start to learn classical guitar. I did, from yes. From a gentleman I, called Julian Beam. Julian Bream, yeah. Who became, for people out there, a very famous classical guitarist. Yeah, in his very own famous, right. very yeah. famous. And,
1: and uh, I, well, my sister married a musician, a classical musician, he was a, a double bass player. And uh, he knew Julian. And so my mother and I went to Julian Bream's flat to uh well we had an appointment with him and he he said to me and i had this guitar which i'd got for my 13th birthday and it must have cost about 10 bob like and it was crap uh, and uh, he looked at it and he said well the first thing you'll have to do is you'll have to get a better guitar uh, but he he said how how well how well do you want to play and i i didn't really understand the question you know i, th- I, I said I, um I, And before I could answer, he said, well, I I mean, for instance, would you like to play like this? And he played a piece of music uh, right there in front of me, you know. And the only time I'd ever been close to music was somebody playing the piano. Yeah. And this was... uh, this was an experience which I will never forget and at the end of it I was in a flood of
0: tears and I said
1: yes I'd love to play like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I never could but uh, yeah, well you proved yourself as a fantastic player I would say <laughs> that's an understatement there and from that there did that, that give you that weak kick of here I am this instrument can perform these sounds for me, uh, I can compose, I can listen, I can, uh, you know, was it then that you started to like, about like listening to people like Woody Guthrie and people like that at your young age or were you at, at that uh, That was a Could little you... bit
1: later. Yeah. I think, you know, I think I, I started uh, guitar lessons then. Like, Julian Bream couldn't, uh, he gave me about two lessons. And then whenever I'd turn up, there'd be a note in his window saying, uh, sorry, sorry, Andrew, uh, I forgot I had a, a concert in, in Zurich yeah, tonight or something yeah, like that. So yeah. he passed me on to one of his ex-pupils, who was probably a better teacher than he was anyway. And, yeah. and, I, and I, I practiced two hours a day and, you know, really boring. Playing scales for for, yeah. for two hours and arpeggios and yes. and then kind of uh, sight reading a piece, uh, which was composed by uh, somebody that you've never heard of for people learning the guitar. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and
0: probably a name you couldn't pronounce earlier because well, some like big, f- <laughs> long, long. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there were
1: people with with, with huge names. <laughs> South American.
0: What's the South American
1: composer? I can't remember <laughs> his name. Though. But um, and eventually, I, I kind of I got to where I was. I, I was learning a Bach courant uh, that uh, somebody transcribed um, for the guitar. And I I was having great difficulty playing it. And the teacher said, well, you know what you have to do? And I said, no, what? He said, well, you'll have, how long, how many hours are you practicing each day? I said, "Uh, two. He said, well, you'll have to make it three. And I thought, oh my God, three hours of playing scales and arpeggios. I don't think I can do that. (laughs) And at that very moment, uh, I discovered early Lonnie Donegan, uh, when Lonnie first started playing uh, skiffle. Skiffle. I mean, he he. Later, when he had a drummer and an electric guitar, it was no longer of any interest to me. But yeah. and through him, I discovered Woody Guthrie, and that that was my turning point. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and uh, you became connected then to Woody Guthrie through um, you had a short stint. You went to America to work. There was people there that no, were, I never did. You didn't go. No,
1: I didn't go. No. I I, I uh, I've recently, quite recently, I got. All the letters I wrote to Woody when I was uh, 16, 17 were discovered when they knocked down the, the hospital that he had been incarcerated in at that time. Jeez. So I have this huge diary of, of letters that I wrote to, to Woody and, and uh, mentions of, of uh, sending tapes to Woody and Woody singing along to, my, to, to me. R- my recordings, you That's know, I thought, hey, yeah. I actually sang with Woody Guthrie. <laughs> but uh, I met uh, Rambling Jack Elliot. He, was, he wasn't called Rambling Jack Elliot at the time. He was just called Jack Elliot. And uh, for some reason, I mean, he was about 30 and I was 17. For some reason, he took a shine to me Uh you know, Woody had taken a shine to him in in similar circumstances, yeah. and and uh, for a couple of years, Jack and me were were inseparable. And uh, he'd bring me to parties where where a lot of the famous folk musicians of the time. Yeah, uh, who would have been there, Andy, at that time?
0: Well, uh, you and McCall. Uh, no, not you and McCall. No. You and
1: McCall was frightening, personally. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. But. Uh, Alex Corner, Alexis Corner, was a, a, a guitarist, a mandolin blues player, and uh, and he was a lovely man. And and um, what's her name? Uh, Shirley. I'm very bad on names. Yeah. Right. Sh- singer from Sussex, Shirley. Oh. Well, I'm sure that. Uh, Half the people looking in will are shouting her uh, name. At shout me. her name back on us now <laughs> for me and Andy. Shirley
0: Collins. Shirley, Shirley Collins, Collins yeah, people. Yeah. Yes, Andy, good man yourself. Because yeah, yeah. you were looking there at me and I was going, I'll say a wild name here and it won't even be right. And people are going, get your research done, Patty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and you were just going back to Ramblin' Jack. Um, he was a gentleman that. Uh, Taught you the harmonica? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he did. And you want to talk about that and the way that Woody Guthrie yeah. would have played the harmonica? Well, he didn't teach like me that. how to play it. No, because, uh,
1: I can't think how you would teach yeah, anybody to play yeah. the, the harmonica. But uh, but he did tell he me that Woody played it upside down, like, yeah. you know. And so I, I learned it with the holding the, the low notes on the right. Uh, which sometimes people come up to me after a gig and say you played the you played the
0: harmonica upside down and I say oh,
1: well done well done
0: <laughs> and that i suppose um like i know we were chatting it was last night just about uh, that's the old uh, uh, american blues players that's how they would have played it apparently it? apparently yeah.
1: yeah that's that's what uh, woody said yeah yeah, and, yeah. And, and but i mean there was no advantage to it whatsoever um there was no advantage or disadvantage so i
0: i don't know why how it came to be and at, for you um, i suppose at that time being surrounded with musicians like that and being in clubs that would have been probably the early 60s is that right or, yeah, yeah? yeah very early 60s yeah and what was that scene like in uh, London at that time or was it because was that the explosive of funk, folk music about that started you know you could see in folk music uh entering the charts at the time For uh combined different bands would have been doing folk that actually were getting hats as, as such was that that time was there a, a like a bubble about the well there was you know the, the
1: skiffle skiffle kind of uh became a bit commercial after, yeah. after Lonnie Donegan uh, had hit records, like, yeah. you know, and, um, and it, it, it carried on and underneath it, uh, came more traditional folk music. And there was a club in Soho that, uh, I used to go to, which is where I met Jack actually. And, uh, Peggy Seeger and Ewan McCall were, were, uh, resident there. Um, so that, 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 I changed then from, from being into skiffle into being, into being more serious yeah, about traditional yeah. music. And I used to listen to a radio program on, on, uh, on the BBC with, uh, by Seamus Ennis of uh, uh, people that he'd collected music from called As I Roved Out. And that, that kind of led me
0: into to, uh, uh, some knowledge of, of Irish music. And the storytelling yeah and what it was it about did that uh that resonates with you a lot Andy that sort of the story of people, the love, the broken love, the going away, they maybe coming back, and maybe sometimes the tragedy that's in between you know as as that did it capture you that? Cause you I know you you've found loads and loads of old songs from the past, you've looked at them, you've sometimes added verses, you've sometimes looked at them different um because I think what people out there should know is that that tradition of um, oral song that has been passed down thousands, maybe hundreds of years. Um, it's people like yourself. It's keeping it alive. And I think credit to you for that. And you stuck by it. Is that, would that be right to say? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, I'm not consciously trying to keep them alive. I'm, I, I just love them. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, uh, Especially, I think, uh, I mean, if people in the audience say, oh, I love that song, that always makes me cry. I think, yes, that's what I want you to do. I want you to cry because crying uh, because something is beautiful is, a, is a, a really uplifting feeling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, finding comic songs to balance one's, one's show is, is kind of- uh,
0: <laughs> The darkness made Yeah, light. exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, then uh, I suppose at that time, uh, you would have been seeing new instruments as well, uh, like uh, uh, the mandolin and the bazooka. And uh, at that stage, you then went on a wee road trip in 1968 to the Balkan area of Europe. And uh, you spoke about, uh, you know, you camped out and with your then partner Muriel. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So for people out there that don't know about the likes of this, um, what was that experience like? I know like when sometimes you're younger, you go, I'm going to get a tent. I'm going to go into the forest and I'm going to stay there. And uh, you're not sure if you're a hermit. I'm still in the world. I'm not in the world, but I'm learning around me what's going on. For you to go into them countries, I suppose, coming from the background you had and the music you listened to, then what was that like for you at that time? And Muriel. It's quite hard to remember, but it yeah. was it was like a, it was like
1: an obsession. I think you know. I mean, in 1968, I think. Uh, the young, youngish uh, generation, of which I was a, a member, suddenly discovered that they could travel anywhere in the world uh, without much money, just with the,
0: the sunburnt thumb, as, as Woody would call it. I've done it myself. Yeah. It takes longer. It's harder. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you haven't much money in your pocket, but you get there. Yeah. Yeah. And you meet you, you meet great people, and, yeah. and,
1: and uh, anything can happen. Yeah. And uh, it's extraordinary the way that if you have a bad day and you don't get uh, very far, the next day will be
0: the opposite. It's, yeah. It's, it's really extraordinary uh, with the way that, that's... And how, how over there at that time then, because um, I know you went into different... Uh, different areas, Slovenia, Serbia, Bulgaria, Romania, um, and all them different uh, cocktails of music. Um, How was it for you at that time, listening to that, maybe for the first time?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first time I heard Bulgarian music was uh, in a a cab of a big truck that was uh, travelling in Bulgaria. And the guy turned on the radio and... At that time, the radio had a, used to have a lot of, uh, of traditional music on. And I knew what it was, of course, but I mean, I, 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 it took me a while to understand it because a lot of, a lot of Bulgarian music is in, is in very odd rhythms. And, uh, and I, I, I listened to it, I, I, had, I, I knew this guy, I met this guy down in, in a place called, uh, Dimif- what was it called, Dimitrovgrad. And, um, he was a caval player, you know, blowing over the, like the same, the same thing as you'd make a sound out of a milk bottle, you know, blowing Uh, across the, the, uh, and he was really good. And, uh, he taught me a lot about, uh, about Bulgarian rhythms. And, uh, and I went on to Romania there where the music was very different, very different. And, uh and not really quite as exciting. It was... A lot of it... A lot of uh, Romanian bands would have done really well playing for silent films yes. in cinemas in the 1920s, yes. uh, where there were... Uh, the days where,
0: of Harold Lloyd
1: and people like that. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but but kind of uh, uh, people... Chasing each other on top of trains yeah. or, or horses or something, you know, <laughs> boom, boom,
0: boom, boom, boom. a lot of Romanian music was like that. <laughs> uh, but but, so, uh, there was sort of a charge with it, you're saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, of course,
1: uh, what, the, what the records didn't show uh, was that it was all music for dancing. Yeah, and without and was it, was without it, the dancing,
0: it, it was not quite. Uh, it wasn't the full shilling. Yeah, right? so their cultural dancing—you mean to dance along the like Irish dancing here in the trad, That is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. A,
1: it was the opposite, kind of the opposite yeah. to, to Ireland. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but
1: uh, I was going to say about Bulgarian music. Um, oh yeah, I I I I, I bought a, a whole bunch of uh, LPs. Uh, well, not a whole bunch. I, I bought a couple of LPs yeah. while I was out there, and when I brought them home, and I learned how to uh, how to count the uh, the beats, <laughs> and uh, and I would, would be you know I was I this would, became an obsession.
0: Yeah. I would be uh, if I met Do a musician. Do you want musician, to give a wee example for people out there? Like we sort of counting. it? Out well, and...
1: for instance, the count into uh, smesano Horro is one, two, three, four, five, and one, two. Which is uh, fifteen, fifteen <laughs> eight or fifteen sixteen, yeah, yeah. and uh, so I was trying to kind of uh, say, "Hey, you, you must come and and, uh, and play some Bulgarian music." But people would would
0: cross the road to avoid me after that. <laughs> <laughs> and did you then play along with musicians from them areas? No, I didn't.
1: I didn't. Yeah. Uh, they were. They were. The instruments they played allowed them to play a lot faster than I could, yeah. uh, and the, the the accompaniments. Yeah, I could I could play that, but I never. No, I didn't. I, yeah. I, I I'm not sure whether, whether I ever played with uh with um, the guy in uh, Dimitrovgrad, but. Um, Don Lunny was the, was the first person to actually take take me on.
0: <laughs> As an apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two fine apprentices, should I say myself. Yeah. Time well served. Well, when you, you moved back then to Dublin, and uh, I suppose at that time you were probably thinking you know, I should do something myself and, you know, but I read where the early Dubliners, uh, the Ronnie Drews and different people, you were in the same kind of bars. Was that a wee scene at that time uh, together when you were there, when they were there and who else yeah, was that there Yeah, that That, earlier. that, that yeah. was
1: 1962, yeah. 63, 60, yeah. 64, 65. Uh, yeah, O'Donohues. Yeah. Um, 15 Marion Road, Dublin 2, Telephone 62807. <laughs> so O'Donoghue's... Andy just says, book me now." <laughs> well, it all comes out in one piece. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> just give that number again for the people well, to ring. I think
0: there's a few more digits <laughs> to it now. But, uh, <laughs> the Celtic Tiger has put about 15 more numbers on. Yeah, so yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, So at that time, what was that like then? Just
1: well, it was a wonderful. It was wonderful. You know, it, it was it was it was the making of me because when I when I first moved to Dublin, I was still an actor. Yeah. And I used to to, to go to to um, Neary's pub, which is at the the stage door of of the Gaiety Theatre, and uh, all, all actors met there. There you go. And they were uh, in in uh, in those days in the early sixties. They were a very showy bunch of people, you know. They was were
0: was there, whoosh, Yeah, very scattered. kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. showy. darling, how oh, lovely to Andrew, see you, Andrew. please come, come, come here. Uh, no, it wasn't for you. <laughs> it,
1: it wasn't my scene Matt, at all. And uh, so when I discovered O'Donohue's, uh th- here were real people. Uh, the jumpers were on. Yeah, hats. Uh, it was great because you know in in the early sixties Dublin was a very conservative place and very very kind of um, people were a lot more li- religious in those days than yeah. than, uh, than they are now. Yeah, uh, was it? You could feel it, sort of thing. Yeah, right? I mean uh, if you, if you were dressed like this, I mean I have never really changed my clothes, but uh, uh, <laughs> if if you were dressed like this, people would kind of look look you up and down as if you uh, were something the cat just uh, brought in. I like.
0: suppose everybody w- was it sort of business casual then with a the wee shirt and tie and the. Yeah, people, people
1: were, were, yeah. were well-dressed. Yeah. I
0: mean, I have nothing against that. No, no. But, uh, we're not saying don't wear a suit out there, people. You're allowed to. But back then... Um,
1: well, it, the attitude that, that, that came with the suit was what uh, uh, one didn't like so much. Yeah. And Donahue's was, was like a... Uh, it was like a different planet. You know? yeah. it, it was a wonderful place. And, uh, and it was the more wonderful when the Dubliners were in, were in Dublin. When they were away on tour, uh, it was still a good place, but it was great. Ronnie was, Ronnie was great crack, you know, and and Ronnie loved nothing more than to hold forth in front of uh, a bunch of, of, of kind of slightly younger people
0: who were kind of all ears while he told these stories. And and, uh, And did he, is there any wee stories you remember from them times that he would have been? No, I can't remember any of them.
1: Yeah. If I, if I thought about it, I
0: might, but uh, I can't out, right that, now. That, and so at that time then, for you, your first um, band then that you would have got together, you mentioned uh, um, Donald uh, Lonnie there uh, earlier on. Uh, so how did that connection happen? For, well, that happened a bit. That, yeah, later well, on. We,
1: we've jumped back a, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, few We're jumping years. back and forward. I yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, so... Well... The first person I met who uh, who made a big influence on me was Johnny Moynihan, and Johnny, at that time, had a slight, uh, slightly what would call a, a, a legendary status. You know, yeah. people would mention his name in hushed tones. Yeah. <laughs> Seems so like that, a statue. Well, <laughs> he he didn't he didn't sing or play that often. Yeah. But when he did. It yeah, was a, a big a happening, like, yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, so I, you know, I I, 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 very, very quickly realized that I should meet this man, and I met him. Uh, I met him one night at a flower in, in uh, six months. No, where was it? Down in uh, Newcastle West, yeah. County Limerick, and uh, that's where we first met. And I had a motorcycle at the time, and I, was, uh, I had to drive back to Dublin because the, the guy I was with had to go to work on the, on the Monday. And it was cold. It was April. And uh, I had no gloves, and uh, Johnny gave me a pair of socks to wear <laughs> on my hands. And, <laughs> so that was the first time we met. And, uh, and we, we hit it off after that, and, and uh, we became great friends, and, and, and I think probably um, influenced each other. A yeah. lot musically.: yeah. He certainly influenced me, yeah because he played the mandolin as, as an accompanying instrument as well, which I, I, would, I just started to do that.: Yeah. And um, And after a, a couple of years of playing together and uh, playing with other people, we formed a band called Sweeney's Men with a, a, a larger-than-life figure called Joe Dolan from Galway. Yeah. Or Galway Joe Dolan yeah. As he became known not So he wouldn't be mixed up With, with the, the singing Joe Dolan The other Joe Dolan yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The let on
1: Joe Dolan uh, As Christy <laughs> used to say
0: <laughs> The pretend <Yeah. laughs> It must be strange too you People coming in going Where's Joe at? <laughs> there What? <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. Yeah>. uh, <laughs> 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 expecting us to make sing along. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the the Sweeney Sweeney's Men then uh, for people out there that just wouldn't know. C- could you tell everybody the members of the Sweeney's Men then? Yeah, that-
1: originally it was Johnny Moynihan, Andy Irvine, and uh, Joe Dolan, Galway Joe Dolan, and just the three of us. Yeah, and uh, and it was the first summer that we went. We went out. We 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 weren't really professional at the time. We we we. We, you, we decided to, to, to spend the summer traveling around Ireland in 1960, f- 65. And, uh, what was
0: rural Ireland like then, Andy, going around? You know, for someone that lived in the cities, what, what, what was like, rural Ireland, you know, what was it like then going into them towns? Well, I, I'm not sure it was much different than, yeah. than it is now. Yeah. Um,
1: but you'd see places on the map and you'd think, we have to go there. Yeah. Like uh, there was a place called Spink in, in somewhere in Tipperary or Kilkenny. And yeah. uh, so we drove to Spink and went to the pub and had a couple of pints there and, and then on to Swan.
0: Uh, <laughs> that sounds like just a, a rup. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. And, yeah. uh, but
1: we'd, we'd, we'd take out the instruments in the pub and play and, yeah. and sometimes and people would buy us drinks and... Maybe give us a few, Bob. And, yeah. and, and I do remember some, some publican somewhere who owned the filling station as well, who, who gave us a, a free fill on <laughs> there the, you go. the Sweeney van, like, you <laughs> there know, you which go. was because
0: yeah. it used to eat fuel, that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know. With um, and what, had you just got like a, at that time, like, um, had your own PA? Or did you just no, go no, on no. And just... Under- no, it was just acoustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah the old style. Yeah, and uh, because I suppose uh, it was the handiest form of tour, and you just arrived in a a bar, you played your music, and then you went from there. Yeah,
1: like well, but that summer there was nothing arranged, you know. I think the following summer we did it again, and uh, and we had actually a couple of gigs arranged uh, to to play. And when we came home at the end of that summer, uh, we all rented this house in the North Strand in Dublin and uh, and starved through the winter and realised we'd become professional musicians.
0: which <laughs> at all, lost of it, 15 stone in two yeah. months. <laughs> uh, crackers and cheese, not there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like...
1: You could buy you could buy single woodbines in those uh, days. Uh, so you uh, go into a <laughs> shop and say two woodbines
0: and a box of matches. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big gift, wasn't yeah. it? That was a, that was a complete tour. Uh, yeah. So, but for people out there. To know, I suppose, the setup now where bands get together or solo artists, or whatever, and they have this tour and it's set up like you did last night, a different setup with PAs and all. Back in them days, what I'm picking up is it was about the music, it was about taking it to the towns and villages, and it was about them hearing it. So that would have been, I suppose, a time that what you were doing there is what I suppose tourism is now in Ireland where people come into Dublin and there's the trad musicians and they're playing and it's probably a different setup. I hope they're getting paid and to play. So, but looking back, back when you were doing it yourself with Johnny and, and, and Joe, uh, Galway Joe, not the whole of Joe, you know, not that Joe. Uh, so, it was about the music, is, is that right? It was about taking the songs to the people and having the crack, obviously, on the road at that time and learning how to be a band. You know, was that your first band as in your first? Well, it was. But
1: yeah. I, as I say, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't the first time we'd played together. Yeah. We played together without a name before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also we were, we were very, um, you know, uh, as soon as you start accompanying yourself on, a, on a, an instrument, uh, you're, you're stepping outside the tradition because yeah. in Ireland singers were not accompanied ever. Yeah. Uh, but within within our own kind of uh, parameters, we were very we were very strict with the music. You know, um, there were I mean, there's a word which is not used very often these days called uh, strokey. You know, <laughs> oh. if you listen to somebody playing and, and you didn't, you, you'd say ah stroke stroke man like, you know. Uh, uh, we, we were not strokey. We yeah. we uh we kept
0: to to the our own uh formula. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it worked. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. And uh, and and I suppose just on that there, I remember a good few years back, Ryan Lagan from the cellar, you were on he was in here last night at the at your gig. Uh Ryan uh had booked yourself to play and uh that night you went on to the Elias the Sweeney Man. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, Ryan, um, he, he wanted to ask me, he says, uh, I know it's strange lad, but he says, could you ask Andy um, how that happened and why it happened with him? Because he was really proud of that happening, that uh, he was aware of the Sweeney Man, and all of a sudden, all these years later, you had what we're talking about now was in the cellar bar. Yeah, uh, yeah, was yeah. there a reason or just at that well, time? Well, there was or? a reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and the reason was that... Um we were. We decided to to get back together, not for, not for the first time. We yeah. we we got back together sometime in the uh, in the late seventies, I think, briefly. Hmm. But so we decided to get back together again and uh, and do a few gigs and. Uh, I think that I think the cellar bar one was the first one. I think it was the, it was more or less the tryout. There you are. Mm-hmm. So there's your answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, yeah, don't tell him that. <laughs> they practiced. They practiced endlessly <laughs> for
0: six months to pay your gig. <laughs> 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 uh, but that's Brendan. It was just something uh, uh, that he had asked me, Andy. And then uh, I suppose uh, your next uh, uh, move on would have been Planksti isn't that yeah, right yeah. and uh, so i suppose for people out there that aren't aware of plank state we'll uh, we'll try and give them a wee insight to how it came about and uh who was in it and uh, what you felt about it uh so plank state uh what i would say is was uh a lot of people would say uh one of the the forerunners and pioneer of getting sounds together from collective uh Traditional uh, individuals, and you come out with a sound at the time that it seemed to have a an instant grab to a, you know a big population of people, and still does to this day. Uh, and uh, for you, then uh, I suppose, like all of a sudden, you were in Sweeney's Man, and next thing you were in Plank And how did that all come about, Andy? And and who formulated it? Well,
1: they didn't. They didn't go from one to the other because yeah. uh, I left Sweeney's men to go to Eastern Europe so there was that uh, there was a gap of um, four years there you go yeah. uh, well th- what happened was that that uh, Christy Christie Moore had um, gone to live in in Britain uh, because he he worked for for the, the Bank of Ireland I think or, or one of the banks and and uh, there was a bank strike in, what, 1967, I think. And Chrissy, so Chrissy had lived in, in Britain from 1967 uh, and become very big on, on the the now blossoming uh, folk, folk scene, scene. Yeah. in Britain. Yeah. And uh, he'd made an album... Uh, where he'd been told what to sing and, and the, the musicians to accompany him had been, uh, selected without his flown in. S- say so. Yeah. 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 And, um, and he wasn't very happy about that. Yeah. So he was asked to make another record by a, a man called Bill leader, who had a, a record company called, uh, leader, uh, records. And, um, he decided to do it in ireland and he selected uh to play with them on this album which uh, was recorded down in his uh his brother-in-law's house in in prosperous in county kildare um, he
0: I'm oh, just sorry, I'm just thinking he was his brother-in-law, I think so. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so he selected... <laughs> Don- all these people would be like, you know Father Ted's house, they'll all be landing down now to this house <laughs> 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 where the classic album was recorded. <laughs> Can I touch the <laughs> the cloths, you know? Sorry
1: there, Andy. Uh, well, you no, know, he selected Donald Lunny, Liam O'Flynn, me, and, and a few more people that played on that album. But uh, we four were the, the kind of... the. On all the tracks. Yeah. And And you uh,
0: you put forward four tracks on on that album. You had four. No, no, it was all
1: Christie. All Christie. Yeah, Yeah. we just, we accompanied them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it it was a big success, the album. It was just recorded in the cellar, I think, of the house uh, by Bill Leader with two microphones like that, you know. (laughs)
0: And, just uh, for all the, the producers out there now, just say that again, Andy. It was all done by two microphones. Yeah, crossed like that. And it
1: went really well. It went well. And uh, I was playing as a duo with Donald at the time. And uh, Christy came up to me and he said, uh, Christy was back living in Ireland by this time. He said, uh, What would you think about uh, forming a band? And I said, um yeah like who would be in it he said well i was thinking you me donald and liam and i was immediately my very first thought was oh that that puts an end to donald and me playing duo which <laughs> yeah. I've re- well, i was really enjoying yeah so i said uh is, is donald into that and he said oh yeah heavy into it and i thought <laughs> Treasure, <laughs> and I said, "Ah, but but Liam, Liam wouldn't be into it, would he?" And he said, "Yes, he's really into it as well." So I was amazed by that, and uh, what could I do except say yes? Yeah. and uh, and we 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 rehearsed uh, material and we got it together, and the next thing was uh, Donovan, who was uh, he was living in Ireland then. And he had a, formed an Irish con, kind of country band and uh, with very good musicians. Mm. And he was looking for uh, support to, to go on tour in Ireland with. And, and He was
0: uh, a popular artist at that time. Oh, and very, a lot of very huge. Yeah. He yeah. was huge,
1: yeah. yeah. And uh, so we got, the, we got the nod to support him. And uh, we, the first gig was in the hangar. An old ballroom in, in Galway. And um, I was telling Tiernan earlier that uh, he, um, it, I'd never seen so many microphones, you know, there were microphones everywhere and, and lights. And, uh, and I'd never seen a, on the desk, you know, the mixing yeah, yeah, desk yeah. was yeah. out <laughs> like this. And, 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 uh, and so we, we were kind of slightly uh, out of, felt a little bit out of our depth. And, uh, and Donovan's, uh, Donovan's wife's brother was the sound man. And he wasn't particularly interested in, you know, Donovan yeah. did a sound check for about three hours with his band. And then it was kind of, right, lads, uh, uh, on the stage. Yeah. And uh, the next time we looked at the desk, uh, he wasn't there. Like, you know, that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> but so we went on. And uh, after about 15 minutes, I thought something Something is happening in the audience, like you know, and I thought uh, I was very negative, I thought it 's a fight you know there 's a fight yeah. i 'd seen fights break out in dance halls before, yeah. and, and I thought this is a fight, and I, I looked over at the other lads and uh, and they all had huge smiles on their faces, <laughs> and I thought well, that doesn 't look like a fight that yeah. they think it 's a fight, and I gradually realized that we were pulling the place down uh. And at the end of it, I've never the audience went berserk, and we we left the stage kind of giggling with with uh, like what the uh, is happening. But no, no. <laughs> well,
0: that was the moment it was happening. The, yeah, that, the music well, I'd
1: never had an adrenaline uh, boost like that. Yeah, and when we came off the stage, we, we, like uh, Des Kelly, who was who had been the bass player and leader of the Capital Show band, had been. The manager of Sweeney's Men, and he was manager of Plankstead at that time. And he was giggling himself, you know. And lovely, Des. He was a lovely man, and he always did the right thing. He opened his coat and pulled out a bottle of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember I, uh, they had to drag it off me because I was going, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> the adrenaline uh-huh. rush was, yeah. was almost kind of heart attack stuff. Yeah. And uh, after that,
0: uh, uh, nearly all the gigs were like that, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I suppose uh, uh, that's that kind of moment where uh, certain music just captures certain people and there's no other way. They're just going to. Well, it must have go. been that. I mean, it had we, to be. Uh, to this day, uh, yeah. we, we, we're not sure why it happened. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, that or you're good matchmakers for all the local country boys and their future wives. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> they could have been all excited, you know? And, uh, so, But Planksty. Did do we tour yet? You 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 went out to Ireland to tour, is that right? Well, yes. Uh, um,
1: we you know we 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 gradually uh, built up a following yeah. in Ireland. It, uh, I, I, we made it. We made the first album in in September of that year, which was what six months later, and uh, and I always remember Des coming to my the the the, the place I was living, and. Uh, he said, "We've got it," and I said, "Got what?" He said, "We've got a contract with Polidor," uh, and guess how much they're going to pay us in advance. And I said, uh, "I have no idea." Uh, and he said, "Go on, guess, guess. You have to guess." So I said, "I don't know what I said," um, and he said, "But it was I, I, I specially said a low figure yeah. <laughs> uh, because I didn't, I didn't want him to go kind of." Oh, no, it wasn't as much as that. Uh. So he said, uh, no, he said, six grand.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a lot of money at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, it turned just, out... Just to put that under context, what would kind of wages been at that time for people? I, I have no idea. Yeah. It, it was a really lot of money, I, I really do 20
1: pounds a, a week or there something. There you go, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what happened was that we didn't have a contract with Polydor. We had a contract with Phil Coulter and... Uh, uh, his partner, Bill Martin. And, uh, and they had a contract with, with Polydor. Polydor. So they were paying us the advance of six grand. I don't know, I don't know what Polydor paid them. Yes. But uh, the six grand was for six albums. And in those days, uh, if you were signed up to, to people like that or a record company, you paid for the, the, the recording out of your advance. Yeah. So we didn't actually ever make any money out of uh out of Planxty recordings.
0: So uh, all that 6 grand and uh, <laughs> well, guess how much <laughs> 6 grand was going kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So see I, I suppose and a situation like that, that was all learning process too wasn't it for yourselves because you were you were there about the music and yeah, yeah. Th- this was the other side the 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 corporate or the business side, and there's people more savvy over in that yeah, side, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then the musicians are here just wanting to get in front of people. And uh, But I suppose, um, listening to you about the experience, do you like the experience of Plank's Day? It seemed to be exciting. And it was... Uh, the first year and a half was
1: the, the the happiest time I can ever remember. Like, you know, yeah. we... Like, uh, Christine and Donald especially were so funny. Yeah. And we... And we were success and success we, and we had a bit of money uh, and we traveled around in this white van, and the <laughs> Planksteel nice wagon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice seats. And uh, yeah, it was just wonderful, really yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And a, and a great experience for you at that time. And you, you have got back together again. There was a reunion uh, back yeah. in Vicker Street. Yeah. Very successful for well, you. We were even better. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but that uh, introduced a load of new people and the marketing of off that event. Um, new people, new generations and new people listening to your music, Christie's and Donald's, everybody's music that was in the band. Do you know what I mean, Andy? Yeah, so it's yeah. a good thing. And uh, we can't shout out if it's going to happen again because we're on the podcast but well, we Liam never unfortunately
1: seen. left us, died uh, so a couple of years ago, yeah, so, so I, I, I don't think, it, it'll 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 be be. Never,
0: we, he was irreplaceable. So yeah. I mean, And that's a good thing, you're yeah. sticking by your guns, yeah. and it was then and it was for then. Yeah. And so after uh, Plankstey, uh, when you left Plankstey, was there uh, a wee gap before uh, Patrick Street started? Was there yeah, a way? Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so you well, want no, to to people the, about... No,
1: that what happened was that, um, like, Donal left uh, and Johnny Moynihan joined. And we continued on like that. And then Christie left and Paul Brady joined. So when we finally split up in 1975, late 75, um, Paul and myself... Uh, Said, "What are we going to do?" And we'd we'd, we'd formed a, a good relationship yeah. in the band, uh, and we decided to to see if we could make it as a duo, and
0: that was a big success as yeah. well. So, the 1976, the album. Came out. Yeah, yeah. And for people out there, what they should know is that you and Paul have got together, and you're actually. Touring with that album as we speak, and there, there's been a few gigs. Uh, people know this. I'm not going to say the word why gigs were rearranged and why they were put off, but let's just say, good people, the gigs are going to be back on, and you're going to be able to see Paul and Andy, or Andy and Paul, whatever way you want to put it, uh, in the near future. Is that right, Andy? You're yeah, about, yeah. With with Donald and Kevin Burke, who with, were also on the album, so yeah. and Donald, he produced the album, is that yes, right? he did. Yeah. And uh, so, at, uh, you you and Donald seem to go back along a long time uh, uh, for yeah. your friendship must be like uh, solid and an, and, and an old friendship right up to this day. Yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. I, the best of friends. Yeah. And uh, we first
1: met, I think, in about nineteen When would that have been? I forget now. But I was looking for a, a place to stay. I'd, I'd come back from somewhere, and I'd know. I'd know. If no uh, bed sitter anywhere. <laughs> and uh, I saw an advertisement in the papers, and I went to, went to see if they had a room in that house. And Donald answered the door as he says, there was Andy covered in musical instruments, but I, I'm not sure if that was true. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, uh, well, I suppose everybody has to have their first introduction to everybody that becomes a long-term friend and sometimes unusual circumstances, yeah, yeah. but it's how we uh, keep the longevity of that friendship alive and keep the, 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 the love and respect we had, you did you have for yeah, each other, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but going back to just, uh, your solo album with uh, Paul Brady. Um, at that time, I suppose, for for you both, um, you were coming out of a band that a lot of people knew, and I suppose uh, uh, that would have been your first solo album, Andy. And how was, how was that for you, the, you know, your first solo album? Here I am. You've been through a few different stages, a few different bands, a few different people. You've learned a lot of stuff. You went out around Europe. You've captured sounds from all around. And I suppose what people should know is you have um, searched the so many old style uh, laments, stories, poems, um, Irish songs, English folk songs, Scottish folk songs, European folk songs, and uh, all of a sudden you arrive and you're doing your first solo album. How did all the, the the tunes that were picked for the solo album, how did that come about or had you got?
1: You mean the first solo album yeah, I made? Yeah. Well, I think uh, what happened was that uh not that long, maybe a year after the, the Andy Irvin and Paul Brady album came out, uh Paul made his made a solo album, himself, Welcome Here Kind Stranger. And the usual suspects played on it, but he w- it was him on the front. There was no there was there was no me anymore. And mm. uh so I thought, well, it, it, He's just made a solo album. Christie, I think, had made solo albums, So I thought, well, I better make one myself. And uh, I got—I don't know—if you listen to it now, it's very—it's very up and down. That first album I made. It's—I uh, haven't listened to it as an album for many years,
0: but there's things on it I really don't like. Um, is that because you know the way? It's a lot of time artists put stuff out and they're always sort of critiquing every tune. There, or where are people would look at the album as a holistic album, and say, "I really enjoyed that." Is that? Did you think you could have picked all our songs at that time, or? I'm. I can't remember really. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But I, it, it's it, it's a it's a mixture, and and uh, and I'm not sure that that it works as such. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I made albums subsequently,
0: which I liked a lot more. So. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> the thing. You see, I suppose what people should know is that people look at certain uh, things and they say, oh, there's that artist, that's what they're connected to. What people need to know is, like last night, you'd done a pile of uh, new songs, songs that you've uh, been working on now. It's important for people out there to know that uh, an artist like yourself has got such a big catalogue that... Uh, it's very hard to just look back and go, I must pick that song, I must pick that. And you're all the time having to pick from a, it's like a big, I don't want to call it a big witch's cauldron, you know, like a, of songs that you can look into and pick out. And so it's the people know out there that you're still writing, you're still putting out content, you're still thinking about what songs to do. And uh, credit to you, because you've been doing it for over 60 years and it's, it's important that uh, I suppose people know when an artist like yourself appears that you've got that many songs you could just pull them like I seen you downstairs writing and you're going it's nearly I wonder what I'm going to play tonight and I know well, I have to and it's to do that um, I suppose what people need to understand is as an artist like yourself you're just going this is a song for the night. I'm going to do it. I feel it. You know, is that would that be right to say? Well, you
1: know? y-
0: y- it's not quite like yeah. that because yeah.
1: um, the accompaniments uh, that I play to these songs is is complicated. Yeah, uh, and consequently, I don't have enough brain space to hold more than maybe thirty uh, songs at in practice at any one time yeah and sometimes I like sometimes I have to relearn uh, a song from a recording which uh, is which is nice when you've done it but it's a real drag to have to do it all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so that it's it, it's not you know it's it, there is a witch's cauldron of songs yeah. which I, which I have done yeah but uh there's a lot of them Uh, If people say, can you sing? You have to say, you know, I'm really sorry, but I'll sing it next time. Yeah. I'll get it, work it up
0: again and get it next time. (laughs) Stir it up again and bring it back up to the boil. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. I I got a question, um, Andy, from, uh, I was asking some people, just a few people about, would you like to ask a question to yourself in the podcast? And, Last uh, last night uh, when Marty and Nikos were playing Marty asked me to ask you about uh, and he wanted to thank you too as well um, he was saying I see Andy quite active on the online Irish Buzuki forum run by uh, Shawnee McGrath it's brilliant to have him on there interacting with players of the instrument from all over the world what does Andy think of the growth of the instrument's popularity over the last couple of decades and what does Andy feel the future holds for the instrument?
1: Well, it, 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 it has really taken off all right, you know. Uh, I mean, Johnny Moynihan was the first person to introduce the the, the Irish bouzouki, as it became known. And uh, there's a very funny uh, interview with him on, I think it's on on YouTube, where he says, you know, yeah, I started to play the, the the Greek bouzouki and then it turned into the Irish music. You now every bloody band has one. <laughs> uh, but if you look at the the uh, the bouzouki forum, Shawnee's, uh, uh he he's brilliant, by the way, Shawnee. He keep he he changes the, the 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 main photograph almost daily. I mean, he's he's right on top of the thing, yeah. the, which you have to be, yeah, I think. Yeah. And the number of people who are now making bazookies is is incredible. I mean, people I've never even heard of are well-known bazooki makers. And uh, it,
0: it has really taken off. Yeah, and, uh, he, and he also said that, uh, to, you know, he was talking to me too about having people like yourself come onto the forum. He says it's absolutely brilliant. He says thank you for that because um, it's very inspiring that someone like yourself will go on and talk to the people and, and have that interaction so I thought I would just let you know that as well Well you know? it's,
1: it's useful to me too I mean I, I think I've, I have posed questions myself on that there like does anybody know how I can do, how I can stop the Plectrum falling out of me fingers, or some, you know, <laughs> something like that. But, but one of the things that that does strike me is uh, I've some very, I have some very good Greek friends who are in Athens, but I met them in Melbourne. You know, Melbourne is the second biggest Greek city in the world. There you go. And uh, uh, George Galiatos and his brother, and um, and they play. They they they're they're. They play Greek, Greek music. That's what they play. Uh, A Potomy Compania is the name of their band. And, and it, was, it, it was in Melbourne and it's now in Athens. And they're, they're really great musicians. Mm-hmm. But they formed another band playing Irish music with Irish bazookies, <laughs> <laughs> So we a bit like the kind of the, 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 the Spanish bluebell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you allow it to grow in your garden, it'll
0: kill all the, all the Irish bluebells and take <laughs> over. But that's showing you that, I suppose, going back to yourself and the, the people that inspired you and then coming up to the new generation that's been inspired like Marty and uh, the future generation that'll come after Marty. Um, I think that's a a positive and very vibrant thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, me too. And and I think that um, what we'll find is that uh, you'll find that the traditional instruments, maybe on pop songs, on different styles of songs, on orchestrated songs, the way I think instruments are now, where years ago it was kind of, if you're in this type of band, this is what you play if you're in this type of yeah, band, yeah, this, do you yeah. know what I mean, Andy? Yeah, so do, yeah. Where you can have this interception and this beautiful sound coming in or uh, overtones or something happening. That's completely different, yeah. you know? Uh, I should say too, to the people out there going back, we're shooting back to your uh, boarding school days. Uh, sport um, is something uh, people out there should know that you're, uh, you love sport. Mm. And, uh, at that boarding school, at that time, uh, the sports would have been cricket, rugby, and soccer. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so, uh, did you partake in them all? Because uh, you are a fit-looking man, I should say. That. We we're talking last night. People should know me and Andy done a wee jog this morning. There to freshen <laughs> up, didn't we, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I,
1: I still do
0: that a bit. But, uh, uh, brilliant. Yeah, I, I
1: love to play uh, cricket and and soccer. Yeah, I, I was very small, and. Uh, I mean if you look at photographs of me in the in the in the soccer team, I'm at least six inches shorter than almost every other <laughs> player I, I don't know why I was a very late developer but uh, so rugby was a scary game for yeah. me because at the age of eleven twelve uh, boys are different sizes yeah. and there was it was a fullback I remember uh, from one of the other. Uh, schools that we used to play, who was a massive, massive boy. Yeah. Barlow was his oh, name. I he remember. was well fed. What? He was well fed. Yes, he, <laughs> but he was huge. Yeah. And, and, and I was minute. So And I played on the wing. So yeah. I often came up against him. Did yeah. you know. duck him? Do you? <laughs> but, no, I, I, I think I always kicked the ball into touch. But, uh, <laughs> but I remember being tackled by him, uh, either at soccer or uh, rugby. I'm not sure which. And we went for about... 20 yards like you know or I went for about 20 yards like uh he kind of and, and uh, it was kind of where is he gone <laughs> over the hill but uh no I, I loved it I loved uh, I, I, I've always I've kept that
0: up that, that passion love is still me. Yeah, yeah I know because you were talking yesterday about the, the, the rugby match Ireland and, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for people yeah. out there just to let them know that Ireland won the match yes yes yeah, just yes. in case you didn't know and in case just the TVs were turned off or there was any blank outs uh, and uh, I think that was uh, something that I suppose Andy sport is something that uh, you've talked there about the rugby and the cricket but you're also a big soccer fan of uh, yeah. Everton is that right man, and how yeah. did that come about and you were talking about your son and you being big fans of it uh, yeah, together I, well, yeah
1: well I I you know this funny thing I do remember when I was about uh what would I be 8 I think um for some reason, I was alone at, at the, the boring school. Everybody had gone and I was, maybe I was waiting for my, my mother to come and collect me or something. But one of the maids had the, the radio on and I was standing underneath it. She, she, she had her room up here and I was outside. And I was listening to the, 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 the cup final between Arsenal and uh, Liverpool. And I was hoping Liverpool won. It was the very last time I ever hoped Liverpool would win
0: anything,
1: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I how how I came to support Everton is is uh, purely I liked the word yeah. Everton. I li- I liked yeah. the way it looked. I was I was like that with uh, with names and numbers. I, I, I liked the way if I liked the way they looked, they became favourites. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it, it's been we had a, we had our moments in the eighties, but we haven't we're not having our moments of the
0: moment. So yeah, yeah Well, do for the sake of the podcast. We hope when this is watched in years to come, Everton are strong again. I well, I really hope so. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, but so I remember years ago, me and a friend of mine, Dennis Kelly, I went on a, a, a trip. Uh, for a friend of mine that was a big Planksy fan at the time, and it was something I knew would lift his spirits, and I went and landed. Uh, we we went on a mission to find Andy's house. Good people. I know this sounds strange, but we did go on a mission. And uh, the man is sitting across from me now. He's not worried that I'm some kind of stalker. I was trying to get down, but I left. We we went round different places. And we landed in uh, a county at the time, I'll not say where, and there was two gentlemen and they were gardeners and they popped up and they kind of, who are you looking? And uh, I says, I'm looking a musician. And, uh, oh, there's no musicians around here. I says, ah, oh, there might be. And, uh, who are you looking? And the other boy pops up, stands up, who are you looking? And he goes, Oh, we're looking. And I didn't want to say your name in case they didn't know you lived there. And, uh, so next thing, I thought, I wonder what I'll say for a clue. And, uh, at this stage, we drove through forests, we'd driven on roads, we didn't know where we were at, we had, we had a quarter pound of pink bonbons, we'd ate them all, we'd chewed them all out, <laughs> we'd not left to chew. We landed and the says, uh, fuck!" and, uh, oh no, no, and the boy can rub rubbed his hand, maybe down round over somewhere over there, and he didn't even point us anywhere, so we landed, and we landed this wee cottage at the time, and, uh, I thought, wait, we'll just knock the door of this because we're country men and people will understand if they're, if they're country people who we're looking or whatever. And next thing, I looked and I seen like a wee amp or something in, your, in the front window, a wee valve amp. And I thought, oh, that's definitely a musician. And I don't know why I done it, but I left a wee note, good people. And uh, I told Andy what I was looking and for my friend or whatever, I left the spirits at that time. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, I got two wee stencils back all signed by yourself and Christy and everyone in the band. And uh, I just thought uh, it was a very special moment for me. And uh, thank you for doing that. And all these years later, uh, me and Andy have met in different places in many different ways, in the Emerald, General Meeting, or wherever it be, gigs or wherever. And uh, portraits, we should have said. Um, uh, portrait is done by a gentleman called Julian Fryers who last night would have been here when yeah, yeah, he was away and he's done the portrait of a lot of people. Uh, there's another fella sitting here with uh, uh, Andy that got his portrait to, done too, but I can't pull myself to say it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should say Andy looks far better looking than, his than, than I do. Oh, but oh. Uh, uh, So, what, uh, now Andy, for yourself... Uh, for the future and what you're thinking now in the plans uh, I know you're, you're you're married now you were saying you, you've, you're, you just pick your gigs now you do and you're you're more casual of approach of everything and uh, um, you're uh, I suppose a gentleman that I should say to people out there um, the last couple of years for many people in the arts and creative sector has been really tough in all walks, uh, may it be in the film industry, may it be in the, the radio industry, may it be uh, writing songs, may it be touring, may it be setting up plays, may it be everything. And uh, I think the end couple of years, it was fine. People were saying, "Oh, creative people should put out content, they should do this, they should do that. But... What people needed to understand was there's a mechanism and a way that creative people get their content out there, and that's via touring, uh, via playing in front of people, the industry making films, uh, whatever that is, and all the other industries that go with it. The riggers, the people that set up the PAs, the people that look after the, the centres, the the all that, that it takes to put on a gig, as you know, Andy, in today's world. And for you at that time, I suppose... Because you've been in music for so many decades. Um, what was it like that time when all of a sudden we went from, you could have been doing a tour, let's just say Galway, Slego, Belfast, Derry, here, wherever, all of a sudden to blank screen, nothing. What was that for you as a, a seasoned artist?
1: You mean uh, COVID, March 2020? Yeah. March t- yeah. Well, I actually enjoyed it at the beginning. Yeah. You know, it, it, was like, it was like retirement, but I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be for as long as it was yeah. going to be. Um, we were rehearsing uh, for the, the, uh, the Paul Brady, Andy Irvin concerts uh, when we got the news that uh, the, the, the tour couldn't go ahead. It was the day before, I think, the day before the first gig. So we packed up and we, and we made uh, kind of jolly remarks and, and I think there was a general feeling of, of uh, probably relief, you know, like uh, going on a stage playing that music. It, it's a slightly nerve-wracking thing because uh, there's never quite enough rehearsal time. Because yeah. you're all very
0: busy in your own world. Huh? You're all very busy, all your. The, and your yeah, awards.
1: yeah. Well, yeah. We'd, you know, we'd, we'd have two or three days to rehearse. And for me, that would mean at least a week before that to get it together uh, myself hmm. uh, and still make mistakes. So it, it was. Um, nerves were beginning to build up as the tour approached. And so the, the feeling of relief when the tour was uh, postponed was the first thing mm. but then i i enjoyed being at home i enjoyed uh not having looking into the having an empty calendar was, yeah. was was quite nice yeah um it's now well it, it was it, it's well i don't want to say it's over now because it may not be but yeah. uh, for the moment it's subsided yeah and uh and it's good to be getting back into playing you know i i i uh for that first year, I practiced all the time and I got worse and worse. I just, I couldn't, you know, I, I, I think I can't play this anymore. Yeah. What's what's happening here? Yeah. And I changed my, my technique. I, I, I changed the way I hold a, a plectrum, uh, which is kind of a massive thing to do in the middle of uh, one's older years. Yeah. Uh, but... When I, when I did play a gig in what, I think probably August last year uh, to a, a reduced audience in a tent in Galway, all came back. It was like kind of, it had never really gone away. It was just the yeah. audience had gone away. Yeah. And as soon as I was, had an audience you again, I was, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I, I was
0: delighted when I come off the stage, I thought, yes, I still got it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, um, that wee moment again, when it would all, it, it, it that it could all start again, that everything was yeah, starting again. Yeah,
1: yeah. I thought I'd lost it, and then and then I found I hadn't, and yeah. that was a uh, great relief. But I mean, the the, the future. Um, I've I've what I have done during the, the 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 lockdowns and whatever is, I have recorded my parts of a Woody Guthrie album. Um, very kind of Andy, Andy-ish accompaniments. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm very pleased with what I've done, but I've, now I've got to kind of fill out the the colour that other instruments will give it. Yeah. And
0: uh, that's that's kind of the next thing I'm doing. That's um, brilliant. Because that that's something that I've read over the years that you've always wanted. Yes, I've,
1: I've talked about it for, yeah.
0: for years. Yeah. And now I've finally got done it, and, or half done it. And do you think whenever you you put everything together, will you go on tour with the album itself, or do you just want to I just release I'd, it for it, yourself, Andy? I'd have to relearn it all. You I know, I, know, I've recorded it, but I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't play hardly
1: any of it now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'd have to. Yeah. Well, it depends. It, if it makes any kind of, you know, it may just CDs are not are not. Yeah. Uh, As quite as important as they once were, and it it may just kind of um, become a a curiosity. But uh, if it if it made any kind of uh, uh, if it needed um,
0: touring, I would tour it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's 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 really really good. Well, what I have to say now, Andy, is you've been an absolutely star guest. For me, and uh, thank you very much for coming on this small but massive podcast. I can't tell you. I mean, do you remember the first time we met? It was in Sligo, (laughs) that's right. Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) MUI
1: meeting. I was, I was the, the, the uh, what you call it, the boss of of the MUI at the time. That's right. And uh, and I remember, I I don't remember the meet. There were there weren't many people there, were there? No. But I do remember you because you did all the talking. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, today, today, and I think you were, were you, were you trying to plug uh, uh, the festival? I think so. Yeah, I was, surely. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was not long after that, I should say that uh, your good self and uh, and uh, different individuals uh, from Emerald uh, back in the day uh, were supporting us for the, the festival, which was a great thing to know that uh, the Irish Musical Rights Organisation were uh, there in the background to support us, uh, And people like yourself and and Christian, different people spoke up in the room for us that day. Well, I'm
1: glad I wasn't actually, I I wasn't in Imro. I was in the Musicians' Union. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You were in the Musicians'
0: Union at the time. And uh, I suppose... I was trying to, I suppose, sell what we were doing and uh, uh, fair play to you that uh, you remember that and uh, I remember chatting to yourself and there's another gentleman now speaks on behalf of the Musicians' Union, isn't there, down from uh, the... I can't remember what his name is. Sometimes it'll be down at the Emerald meetings. But from that time, uh, Keith Johnson from Emerald has been a good supporter to us. Great, great. I'm
1: delighted to hear that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and some of the youth workshops uh, that we do, Emerald have been supporters of them. So I think... uh, Keith and Imro in general know that the work we're doing here and the work we're trying to do and the work we've done in the past with the festival was a good thing. But Andy it's been an absolute pleasure uh, with no doubt, uh, I hope in the near future to see you back again with us, playing again uh, uh, doing a gig. Well you'll Uh, have to come to my this is a plug,
1: you'll have to come to my 80th birthday concert
0: (laughs) So let's tell the people, hello Andy (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be a massive ad here now, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, let let Mister Andy Irvine speak about the biggest gig that's going to happen in Dublin since Vicar and God knows well. Uh, well,
1: since my seventieth. Since
0: yeah. Andy's seventieth.
1: No, I I, I, uh, I decided I'd I'd uh, I'd do a hopefully two concerts in Vicar Street with the, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how. I did it 10 years ago, and it seems like yesterday. It's really frightening, the the speed that uh, one's life speeds up to. (laughs) But it'll be me and Paul Brady and Donald Lunny and and, uh, a band that we didn't touch on, which would... the next podcast we yeah. will, Mosaic, yeah. or Mosaic, as yeah. oh, half Oh, speak the away, go. speak
0: away, go ahead, talk about Mosaic. No, right?
1: when, we, when, yeah. you, when you were talking about the yeah. mixture of, yeah. of, of music, I uh, immediately thought, oh, we should have, be, should have ah, mentioned Mosaic, yeah. because that's a band that plays old-time American music, Irish music, and, and Balkan music. And, and, uh, and one of my very favourite uh, bunches of people, and uh, Usher's Island, which is, yeah. is uh, my latest um, incarnation with Mike McGoldrick, John Doyle, Donald Lunny, and Paddy Glacken. Uh, so yeah. uh, uh, I think it, it, it's going to be announced tomorrow. There uh, we go. I don't know what... Tomorrow uh, on a podcast might be any time.
0: Uh. <laughs> we are really good at getting out, aren't we, Teddy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so... What date is there a date for that, Andy? Did it's you the say? 20th of June. 20th of June, yeah. uh, this year? Yes. Yeah, this year, uh, 20, 20th of June. Good people. Uh, definitely it'll be out before then, the podcast, Andy. And uh, it's something maybe I could put up on our, our social media as well. Well,
1: uh, yeah, I think I'll be looking for you to, to, to be what you do best, which <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> Shouting and roaring, yeah, just <laughs> getting it together. <laughs>
0: well, that's yeah. a, that's a great honour yeah, to ask yeah. me live to do that, and, and certainly I'm there for you. So. As I say, thank you very much to to Nathan and Stella in the room and thank you to Tiernan, Uh, thank you to Andy Irvine for coming on the Small But Massive podcast and I should say this too, Andy we've been doing podcasts, Voices from the Sperns and I think that uh, this podcast will probably join the Voices of the Sperns because you're a man that has sung about the Sperns over the years and uh, I think for all the people out there listening to that podcast, tune into this one as well. So thank you very much from me, Paddy Glasgow, thank you from Andy Irvine, thank you from everybody in the room, and I should say that last night we had a gig on here, and this room looks immaculate. But you should have seen it two hours ago, <laughs> Isn't <that> right, Andy? <laughs> yeah. so thank you very much. Safe travels home, Great. Andy, and a lovely speaking to you. Thanks a million, thank you.